G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, I can tell you that our next guest is someone who is, uh, well, well-travelled. He's been around for a little while. His name's Andrew Mary. And five years ago, a seven-magnitude earthquake struck the nation of Haiti, taking an already poverty-stricken nation to the brink. Now, Andrew wasn't there when the earthquake hit, nor was he part of Compassion's initial response. He is, however, a regular visitor to Haiti, taking Compassion advocates and pastors there on pretty much an annual basis. He's no stranger to us here at Vision either. He's joined us uh, on numerous Compassion Days over the years. Andrew, it's great to catch up. G'day, Matt. Thanks for having me. Andrew, tell us a little bit firstly about 2010. Now, you weren't there when the earthquake struck and you weren't part of Compassion's initial response, but obviously you'd have a bit of an understanding about what happened and, and the actual devastation that it caused. Yes, it, it was horrific. Uh, I was there within about uh, a year um, and saw saw the devastation that it, that it had caused. It was just absolutely, um, it was just horrific. One of the reasons for that is because of the poverty in Haiti. Um, I mean, the, if that magnitude earthquake had struck in an American city, uh, there may have been a, a few dozen people killed. But in Haiti, because of the poverty, uh, where the houses are constructed out of substandard materials with substandard workmanship, and uh, the, they just collapsed on people everywhere. Can you paint us a bit of a picture of Haiti? Now, when I think of Haiti, I... I just obviously think of what's happened since the earthquake. I, I don't really know a lot about the country. I can't even really picture in my head where it is geographically. I know it's not far from the Americas, but I'm still not exactly sure as to where it's situated in the world and, and I guess what Haiti itself looks like. Okay, so it's um, it's half of an island. So the other half uh, of the island is uh, a, a different country and they were... Uh, that's Dominican Republic, that other half of the island. So the island is in the Caribbean, actually. It's it's, uh, it's in it's you know uh, in the Americas, but it's it's quite close to um, the United States of America, just down a little bit. Um, and they were both. It, it was uh, actually a, um, a a nation that was founded as a, a slave nation. Um, it was uh, occupied by the French. Um, and the French had a lot of slaves there, and 200 years ago, the slaves uh, had an uprising and took over the uh, Haiti itself, and the, the French were forced out. So it became a, um, a nation that was self-governed by uh, people who were formerly slaves. The slaves of the um, Dominican Republic were under the Portuguese, so it was a whole different system over there. Uh, and even though that's poor, it's not as bad as uh, what Haiti is. Now, following the earthquake, uh, some of the figures that we hear were things like uh, 700,000 cases of cholera reported, 8,500 lives lost, and, and even now, five years on, it's not still a, a fantastic good news story, but there is a silver lining in amongst that, isn't there? Uh, okay. Did you say, how many lives did you say were lost? 
8,500? Uh, 8, no, it'd be more like uh, close to 300,000. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, between two and 300,000, I think, lives were lost in the, uh, in the earthquake. Okay. And still five years on, there's still that devastation continuing, though, isn't there? But there has been, I guess, um, work done, not only by Compassion, but by other NGOs and organisations around the world that have tried to do something about helping Haiti get back on their feet. Yeah, uh, it, the thing is that the earthquake um, that hit Haiti it was not the thing that devastated Haiti. I mean, it brought it to the world's attention, but Haiti uh, was really devast- has been devastated for a long time with poverty. Um, uh, Compassion's been working in Haiti since 1968, um, and we've got now about 100, no, not 100, about uh, 80,000 children sponsored over there. It's, it's a place of great need it, because of the devastation, bad governance, uh, they wreck the environment, uh, they, they have to import 60% of everything that they use. And so there's not, there's, not, there's a huge unemployment, there's catastrophic uh, corruption in the government. And it, it really means that it's very difficult for that nation to get ahead. The earthquake came and just uh, it really, uh, um, you know, on top of all that, it just uh, brought it to the world's attention. And, of course, all those people dying was terrible. But they get, they get hurricanes that come through and, uh, you know, they get a lot of those sort of natural disasters as well. But having said that, there are many NGOs in Haiti helping um, the thing is that it's a, it's it's a very difficult place to help because of the uh, of the conditions in that place. Compassion has been there for a long time. I've been there for um, over forty years, forty six years or something. And we have uh, we were there on the ground actually when the Haiti, when the earthquake happened. So we didn't have to send people in. We have a lot of people working in Haiti, obviously in all the churches that we work through. So. It was a, a very rapid response that we were able to have down there. In what ways did Compassion actually then provide support? Because obviously it would have affected the activities of Compassion, some of their programs, and most of all the sponsor children. Yeah, well, we had uh, we had something like um, uh, 65 children lost their lives, uh, of our kids. Um, there was... Many, um, there was. A, I think there might have been about eight thousand of our uh, kids' homes were wrecked, and uh, yeah, so it really devastated the population. We we set up a, um, you know, obviously emergency uh, facilities there, and just began to to help on the ground, uh, like many others did. But the thing is that we have an ongoing presence in that place. So it's not just come in, help for a, a, you know, a few months and then leave. We have an ongoing presence. And one of the things that we've been doing is rebuilding schools. So we've, we've had a, a program of rebuilding 20 schools in, uh, in Port-au-Prince area. And these schools are being rebuilt as earthquake-proof buildings. Uh, so we, we brought over 20 uh, people from El Salvador, builders, who were skilled in building earthquake-proof buildings, and they worked with the Haitian uh, builders to teach them how to to build earthquake-proof uh, schools. And I've seen a number of these buildings, been in ones that have been completed, and seen them as they're erecting them, and they're they're amazing buildings. You know, the, the foundations go way down, and and the way that they uh, help them to build, they teach them how to build the the cement blocks to a good standard that are not just going to crumble because most of the buildings are made of cement blocks that just are, are made of the local rubble 
and it's that they just crumble really easily. And the mortar in between, instead of being an inch and a half thick, they make it good mortar that's only thin so it holds the thing together and they put reinforcement through all the walls. So these schools have been almost completed. In fact, I think uh, they've just been completed and um, that's a, a fantastic thing. The kids can go to school without fearing that their building's going to fall on them if an earthquake comes. Yeah, really interesting when you paint that sort of picture too. It's not something you think of even in some of the most earthquake-prone areas of the world to, to hear about that sort of activity going on. It, it, it sort of opens your eyes a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing about poverty. You don't have options when you're poor. We, here we can, we can address, you know, the floods come and we can, we can address the situation. Even though it's devastating, it's not nearly as devastating if you haven't got the resources and the wherewithal and the education and the, and the know-how to, to make things right. You just simply haven't got options. Andrew Mary is our guest on 2020 today. Looking back over the last five years since uh, a massive earthquake ripped through Haiti and just completely devastated this poverty-stricken nation. Andrew, uh, you mentioned to us uh, previously off-air that you and a, a, a team of pastors and supporters go to a big Compassion International Summit in Chicago every year. And part of that is before you come home, you spend a week in Haiti. Why? Well, um, it's actually the uh, Global Leadership Summit at Willow Creek that we go to, and uh, we we want pastors to be go- to be able to go over and be a part of that Global Leadership Summit, um, and but also we want them to go and see the work of Compassion. The reason why is because we want to work with churches. We work with pastors. We work with churches. We want to. We work with churches in the field too. We're um, partnered with over 6,000 local churches, uh, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name and and seeing a difference made in the kingdom of God. This is the reason I I joined Compassion. I mean, last year alone, there was over 127,000 kids give their lives to the Lord, and the year before, it was 140,000. The local church is so effective, and and we want to support the local church not only in the developing world, but also in Australia and in other sponsoring nations and, and get them to see what is being done over there because we can learn a lot from what is going on over there. Not only can we help because we're resource rich, but we can also learn from the way that people are outreaching, from what they're doing, from their, their spirituality, from their community in these uh, in these other nations. And the pastors that go are impacted big time. When you think about what's happened in Haiti so far, how do you see it? I mean, like you mentioned before that already before the earthquake hit, it was already a, a massive poverty-stricken nation. How is it then that they're able to continue to survive, not only as a country, but to have governance in place, to have law and order in place, to have even some of the most basic facilities in place, even despite the poverty? Well, uh, yeah, they... It depends what you mean in place, Matt. I think that uh, you go to some places. I mean, we visited uh, one of the areas where um, the people who were living in the tent cities have now been displaced. So Haiti's been able to have said, uh, to to say, hey, we, we haven't got any tent cities anymore. But you go out of town and there's half a million people living in an arid area where there's no vegetation, there's no facilities at all, there's no water, there's no sanitation, and they're just living in just anything that they can put up, like a piece of tin here and a bit of material there, and they make these little homes and they live there, 
and they survive and it's it's just it's a, it's the worst place to visit it's horrible but they are actually they're actually making their way you know a lot of people do die though a lot of people don't survive uh, you know there's only 30% or something access to sanitation in that country uh, so you can imagine the disease is, is, is rife and it's very dangerous. I mean, we have to have an armed guard when we go to these places because it's, there's gangs in these, uh, in these places as well. So it's totally different from over here. You know, it's a totally different perspective. How confronting is it for the pastors and the compassion advocates that you take to Haiti? It's extremely confronting because it, it really goes to the, the whole question of hey, what are, what are we actually doing? Are we just living in our in our luxury and ignoring what's going on in in parts of the world? And and how much should we be doing? How much should we be uh, you know praying for and supporting and and uh, you know getting alongside these pastors who are struggling in these places? And and how much should we be um, just simply saying, well, that was their, that's their, their lot. Let's, uh, let's leave them to it. it. It's very confronting. It's confronting to me every time I go to any of these countries, and I go to many of them all the time. And one of the things that we hear a lot about is uh, the idea of short-term mission trips and the fact that at times they can be uh, more detrimental than good. And oh, I'm not saying that compassion would ever go that far, what I'm asking, I guess, Andrew, is that when you take a group of people into a place like Haiti and, and try and give them a feel for exactly what's been happening here, what, uh, what sort of things are running through your mind when it comes to, well, here we are, we're, we're not obviously living in poverty, we're not going out and we're not uh, you know, spending a week in this shanty town with a piece of tin and maybe a piece of timber. You know, we're, we're staying in somewhere that is quite the opposite to that. How do you justify in your own mind and your own heart what you're doing and why you're there? Well, firstly, we don't do short-term mission trips, Matt. We do insight trips. So we, we go and and we view the work of compassion, which is an on-the-ground uh, work. See, we don't send any missionaries at all. Everybody who works for compassion is local. So in Haiti, from the country director right through, every single person is Haitian. In Uganda, everybody is Ugandan, so we don't send uh, send missionaries at all. Um, the thing, the reason that we take people over is to show them uh, the work of compassion, to make sure that they understand that that the money is being used um, well, and uh, we're being accountable in that. But we also take to educate, to encourage the people on the ground. Uh, and it is a great encouragement when you go in and you visit your sponsored child. They are so encouraged that there's somebody there who's praying for me, who's caring for me, who's loving me. We don't go in to do anything. We go in to build relationship, to extend the relationship that we've already got with the kids through their letters and, and through the sponsorship and to encourage the pastors and the churches by visiting them, praying for them and just uh, learning from them. So it, it's very different from short-term mission. And uh, we do it actually, before we go, we do six sessions of learning all about poverty, all about what you're talking about when helping hurts type situations so that we're not going in as the big benevolent uh, you know, benefactors um, trying to make all things good. We're there long term with the local church working to uh, make sure that God is moving and able to move in the lives of these people to help, uh, help them in their situation. 
Well, Andrew, obviously uh, one of the things about compassion that makes them different is exactly what you've just said and the fact that, you know, your entire staff are local staff. You know, you're there working through the churches in these areas. What are some of the ways that the churches are working to try and do something, anything about the uh, the recovery five years on from the earthquake, about the uh, the poverty and about the way that we can, I guess, communicate that message of hope in Christ even despite the poverty? Yeah, good question. We, we actually work very long term. Obviously, we work with kids, so we're looking at the next generation because we believe that if you want to change a nation, you've got to change the hearts of the next generation. It's all about the heart. If you, if you can't change things by legislating morality or legislating you know, that people don't get corrupt and all that sort of stuff. It, it takes God changing the hearts of people. So when you've got a, a nation like Haiti, you've got a, a, a children who are brought up in the ways of God, who make decisions uh, to follow Jesus and to do things his way, and they're educated, they're given, uh, they're ma- we make sure they're healthy, so they grow up being leaders and influencers in their nation with good Christian values committed to God. And, and actually, in, in Haiti, we have a, a young man who is about, well, he's about 32 now. His name is Begin Theos. He was brought up in a compassion program, came right through, and he's now uh, a senator in the Haiti government. And he is very influential in that uh, Haitian government. And uh, we're praying that he becomes the president of Haiti. Now, that's an amazing transition from living on something like $5 a month when he was a kid, his, his family got, coming through getting a doctorate in politics and being so influential in his, his uh, country. So you can do things. God wants us to engage, not to take our hands off, because when he's involved, he can change He can change anything, but we are the ones who need to engage and say, okay, God, we're prepared to do what you've called us to do. So where to from here, Andrew? What is Compassion's continuing long-term vision for the nation of Haiti? What are some of the things, the practical things that are visible to donors and to supporters as to how Haiti is being impacted by the work of compassion. Okay. Um, well, we've got our three major... Pro- well, actually, there's four major programs. Our, our child development program is where we've got 80,000 at the moment, and the country director told me last year that they're going to have 100,000 children in child development by the year 2020. So that's continuing to, continuing to grow, where kids get health, they get education. They get uh, they get social interaction. They get um, uh, the gospel given to them, and they we just want to see them make it. But also, we're intervening uh, with the little kids, the, the babies. So before they're born, uh, with mums, and then when they're babies, we have a a thing called child survival, where we're making sure that kids get through to be able to go to school. So it's basically mothercraft nursing in the slums, if you like. And so that's a very effective program for making sure that we're helping right at the grassroots level of of um, when the kids are really, really young. And then when the kids leave school, we've got a program that actually helps them develop and sends them on to either university 
born. Now we're just expanding it to make sure that these kids, if they don't go to university, they, they'll go and do an equivalent course that will help them to be qualified, uh, maybe in entrepreneurship or maybe in a trade or whatever. So that's a, an incredibly effective way to see um, you know, the whole thing worked out after a, a secondary education into um, actually on the ground making sure these kids are eligible to get jobs. Those things are supplemented by interventions, so water, sanitation, microfinance, disaster relief, uh, all these different in, in interventions that we, we put into the community um, that assist with uh, each of the children. So there's a, there's a myriad of things going on, but ultimately it's the it's Jesus who's going to make the difference. Ultimately, mm. it's him through, his, through the local church, and they're the heroes. They're the ones working on the ground. I went into, uh, uh, every year when we go back, we go into child development projects, and I'll say, oh, this is Pastor so-and-so. He was actually a child in this child development centre, you know, 30 years ago, and here's the... Uh, the person who's running the child development centre, they were actually a child in this child development centre 25 years ago. And it's just amazing to see that we're, we're, we're producing our own leaders and the whole thing is, uh, is just, it's just fabulous in terms of building people and uh, seeing God change their lives and ultimately change their regions, their families, their regions. And we're, we're hoping and praying that that'll be changing their nation. Some good news in amongst devastation that is the nation of Haiti five years on from the earthquake that hit there early in the new year in 2010. Andrew Mary, thanks so much for your time and thanks so much for giving us that insight into what the work of compassion is in some of these nations and specifically today on Haiti. Thank you, Matthew. God bless. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.